Praise the Lord. It's time to look to the word tonight, message tonight, be surety for your servant. Psalm 119 and verse 122. I don't know if you've ever prayed this prayer to the Lord, but after tonight, you might be praying it often. Psalmist says, be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. Be surety for your servant for good. What does surety mean? The marginal says, guarantee. Be guarantee for your servant for good. The word means to pledge. It means to undertake for another. It means to co-sign. It means to become liable for another person's debt. This psalmist is praying, Lord, be surety to me. Co-sign for me. Take liability. If somehow I get myself into debt and can't pay. If somehow I get to, into trouble and I can't get out. Undertake for me. Now God's word warns against suretyship. God's word warns against backing another person's debt. And yet here is this psalmist crying out to God, co-sign for me. Back my, back me, Lord. Be surety for me. Scriptures warn against it, against this manner of dealing. Proverbs chapter 6, 1 to 5. Let's look at a few verses. He said, my son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands, or King James says, if you strike hands in pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Proverbs eleven fifteen. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but he who hates being surety is secure. My, these are strong warnings. Proverbs 17, 18. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands or strikes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Proverbs 22, 26 to 27. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? God's word is strong. Don't co-sign for another person's debt. Don't become liable for other person's debt. Don't lend money to other people, hoping they're going to pay you back again. And there you are. There you are. You know the old adage, never lend money to a friend because you'll lose your friend and your money. It's not in the Bible, but it's based in scriptures like this. What about a family member? What about a relative? Well, the Bible doesn't warn against that. 
If you want to co-sign a loan for a family member or a friend, the Bible leaves that up to our discretion, but even then we have to acknowledge and be willing to pay that debt as we go into that arrangement. And if we're willing, it's, so, it's not so much as a, of a co-signing. It's not, not so much surety as it is a love gift, a calculated risk. Hey, if this doesn't work out, this is my brother, this is my sister, this is my son, this is my daughter, I'm willing to risk it. Now, God warns against suretyship. God warns against taking on this kind of guarantee for other people. And yet God is willing to do it himself for us. He warns against it, and yet he says, I'm willing to undertake for you. Somehow he knows we don't have enough to make our way through life on our own. Somehow he knows we don't have enough to pay our way through life on our own. He says, I'm going to undertake for my people, and I'm going to back them, and I'm willing to be surety for them and I will deliver them, and I will help them. For starters, there's not a person here who doesn't have and didn't have a debt of sin that we could not pay. We were hopelessly bound in our sinfulness, a sin debt so great we could never pay it off. Insurmountable. An infinite sin debt we owed to a righteous and holy God. And we can come before God and we can say, Lord, I'll, I'll pay. Just have patience with me. Somehow I'll pay. I know I can do better. I, I know I can change. I, I know I can. I, I think I can. Matthew chapter 18, 23 to 27. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's almost 200,000 years of a working man's wage. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Every one of us owe, owed God that 10,000 talents sin debt, and none of us could pay. But he said, I'm going to take care of your debts. I'll be surety for you. And he took and paid our debt in the sinless son that he put on the cross and jesus christ shed his blood for every one of us that our sin would be paid for paid in full we didn't have anything to pay our debt but jesus christ paid it all he set us free he said i'll be surety for my people for those who call upon me put me in surety lord god be surety for me for good and God says, I'll forgive all your sins. I'll cast them into the depths of the sea. I'll forgive you all your sins. My, what a weight lifted off us the day we accepted Christ. 
that crushing weight of sin, that condemnation that rested upon our lives, that darkness, that demonic, devilish darkness that was on our lives, stumbling along, bowed down, and God forgave us all our debts, and the weight went off our shoulders and off our spirit, and all of a sudden, as the Bible says, we are made to go upright, and we walk in strength, and many times we feel like we're walking on air because of the forgiveness of God in our lives. He becomes surety for his people. He says, I'll back your debt. I'll pay off your debt. I'll take care of you. Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? Boaz represents Jesus Christ. Boaz, the Bible says, came from Bethlehem. He was a wealthy man of power. That's how he's introduced in the book of Ruth. That's Jesus Christ. He has wealth. He has resources. And he's our relative. Because in the womb of the Virgin Mary, he took on our flesh and blood, and he became our relative, one of us as the human race. Now, Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Verse 3, Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me I will do. So Ruth went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came softly and covered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative, a kinsman, a goel in the Hebrew somebody who has the right to redeem me and swallow up all my death and darkness and debt and lead me on into a new life of fulfillment. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Ruth the Moabitess, newly saved, newly born again, just came into the fields of Bethlehem, Judah, a visitation from God upon her life, and here she is. She has nothing. She's a widow. She's childless. The future looks bleak. 
But there is a man that Naomi knows about, and his name is Jesus. And Naomi said to her, listen, you go down to the threshing floor, and you lay yourself before the Lord of the harvest, and you begin to say, cover me, protect me, be security for me, undertake for me. Everything I've lost, everything I'm facing, come, Lord, come, Boaz, come and bring healing, bring restoration to my life. She went down to the floor. She put on her best garment. She anointed herself with fragrance. She came with anointing. She came with humility. She came with a careful spirit before Boaz, the Lord of the harvest. And she said, undertake for me. She said, deal with my poverty. I'm just a gleaner. I'm living on minimum wage in this society. I don't see a future. Take on. Make up. Deal with my poverty. She said, deal with my pain. Deal with my loneliness. I'm childless. I'm husbandless. I need, I need help. I need covering. He said to her, I've watched your manner of life. I've seen your spirit. I've seen your surrender. I've seen the way you serve. I see the character that is being, being developed in you, what, by the Holy Ghost, in your new creation life. I see the way you're walking before the Lord. And he said, I will do for you all that you require. I will do for you all that you request. You have not because you ask not. I will do for you all that you request. And we know how Ruth started out. And we know how she ended up. And it's a marvel of the grace of God. And it's there for every one of us to put our eyes upon and put our spirit upon and say, Lord, I want you to lead me out of my loneliness and out of my fears and out of my bankruptcy and out of my poverty. And I want you to give me a life and inheritance that's available to the sons and daughters of God. Job 17, 1 to 3. He said, my spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Are not mockers with me? And does not my eye dwell on their provocation? Now put a pledge for me with yourself. God, put down a pledge for me. Be surety for your servant for good. Undertake for me. Become liable for what I'm going through. He said, who is he who will shake hands? Who is he that will strike hands with me? Verse 3 in the King James Version. Lay down now. Put me in surety with thee. Who is he that will strike hands with me? He's crying out, God, I need somebody to strike hands with me. I need somebody to be, to be surety for me. I'm calling on you, O oh God. We know what Job was going through. He lost everything. He lost his livelihood, his wealth. He lost 10 children in one day. Lost everything he had, and then he lost his health. A severe attack of the enemy came upon his life. He faced sorrow and loneliness and pain like none of us have ever experienced or can hardly comprehend. 
And now his body ravaged by sickness and pain and disease. And he called out to God, be surety for your servant for good. Come, Lord, I need security. Come, Lord, I need guarantee. Come, Lord, I need somebody to undertake for me. And God, in his timing, came. God says, I'll be surety for my people that call upon me. And God came, and God restored his fortunes, and God blessed him so the latter end of Job was greater than the beginning. He came through a trial. He came through a refining, and God brought him out into a great new day, and God gave him a double portion. Job said, I have nothing. I have nothing left. God said, you have me. When you feel like you have nothing, God says, you have me. I'll be surety for you. I'll take on your debt. I'll take on your loss. I'll take on your broken life. If you put your trust in me and walk in righteousness and holiness and surrender yourself completely, I will lead you out into a double portion and you will rejoice before God in the land of the living. Two little boys were going to the county fair. One little boy reached in his pocket and said, I have $10. The other little boy replied, I have my dad. I don't know about you, but I have my dad. I have a father, my father. And he knows how to swallow up death in resurrection life. He knows how to take on poverty and debt and disease. He knows how to restore his people. I'm praying Psalm 119, 122. Be surety for your servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Because there's a lot of oppression, a lot of oppression in this world. David went in and sat before the Lord. 2 Samuel 7. He couldn't believe how wonderfully God had treated him. He just, he was awestruck by the goodness of the Lord. He said, God, you, I can't believe how you've blessed my life and watched over me and you've led me and brought me into fulfillment and all the kingdom and all that God had done for him. David said, Lord, you, you know your servant. He said, you know my weaknesses. You know my struggles. You know my weariness. You know my humanness. And yet you've done all this for me. In spite of how I feel about myself sometimes. He said, God, is this how you treat people? Is this how you treat people? He says, this isn't the manner of man. Man doesn't do this for another man. But there's a God in heaven who treats us different than people treat us. Then King David went in, 2 Samuel 7, verse 18 to 22. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? What is my family? What is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Spoken of my family for a 
great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Lord, is this how you treat people? That's how the Lord treats people. What about you? Have you ever done something that got yourself into trouble? Deliberate sin, rebellion, inadvertent foolishness? Have you gotten yourself in trouble or some difficulty? And you know you deserve the consequences of it, and you deserve some judgment and some punishment, but somehow, somehow the grace of God came through for you, and God held you and delivered you in that moment and kept you from the consequences of some action that would have brought great damage into your life. And every time you think about it, your heart is overwhelmed at the goodness of God. I know I have. And when I think about a few times in my life where God came and delivered me and backed me and delivered me and set me out of something that could have been to my hurt, where I was walking my own foolish way, every time I think about it to this day, my heart overflows with thanksgiving to the goodness of the Lord for his mercy and his kindness and how he takes care of his people. Jonah. Chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. God said to Jonah, Jonah, go east. Jonah said, no, I'm going west. A reluctant preacher. A reluctant prophet. God said, go preach to Nineveh. He said, I'm not going. Don't have a heart for those people to see them saved. They're such sinners. They're so wicked. They're so idolatrous. They're so cruel. Went down to the, where he was, the coast of the Mediterranean, took a ship, sail off to Tarshish, going to Spain. We know what happened. Storm came on sea, on the sea. Such a violent storm. God chasing down his prophet. <clears throat> he said, cast me into the sea. They took Jonah, threw him out into the sea. The sea became calm, and Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. No man can survive that. Three days in the belly of a fish, it's over. Jonah is done. Got himself into a whale of a mess and can't get out. But he began to cry unto the Lord. He said, salvation is of the Lord. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Oh, my. He said, my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He said, God, I didn't deserve mercy because of what I just done, my disobedience, my reluctance. I don't deserve your mercy, but I am not going to regard worthless idols. I'm not going to go to some philosophy. I'm not going to go to some vain thing. I'm not going to go to some self-help that I can try and deal with myself in this moment. He said, those who forsake 
Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. I'm glad it's capitalized in the New King James Version because mercy has a name. His name is Jehovah. Mercy has a name. His name is Jesus. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. He be vowed unto the Lord down in the belly of that fish. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve you. I repent of my sin. I repent of my waywardness. I repent of my attitude. He said, I'm going to go and preach the gospel like you want me to. He said, salvation is of the Lord. And the great fish spit him out on dry land. And Jonah went on to serve the Lord. God's people from time to time brought themselves under captivity to foreign powers, oppressors, tyrants. Because the people of God did not walk in holiness and righteousness, they became slack. They took on some ease and complacency. Let the light go out. Started taking some breaks with God. Started to walk in a casual manner before the Lord. Pretty soon they were drifting further and taking on attitudes in the spirit of the world and even began to serve other idols. And God would take them down into captivity. But even in captivity, if they would repent and they would return to the Lord their God, he had glorious promises for them, how he would restore them. He would bring them out of bondage and darkness and he would bring them back to their land and he would recover their fortunes because he's a God who backs his servants in their repentance and in their righteousness. Nehemiah 1, 5 to verse 9. And I, Nehemiah said, And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. God says, I'll turn your captivity. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Now therefore, says the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. 
So I will restore to you the years. God says, I'll restore the lost years to my people. I will restore to you the years that you lost. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. God says, I don't care if they were stripped and they've gone into captivity and I've had to bring some chastisement and correction and I've brought them low and they feel like they're broken and they feel like they have nothing. God says, if you will return to me with all your heart, with weeping, with fasting, and call out on the name of the Lord and serve him with all your heart, God says, I will restore the lost years. I'll swallow up your debt. I'll take on your life. And I will deal wondrously with you. And you will know the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And in the years to come, you will stand in the abundance and in the blessing of God. You and your family, because you have served the Lord with all your heart, because God said it twice. He pledged it. He said, my people shall never be put to shame. They're going to be honored in the earth. And the people that look at them will know the kind of God they serve. 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. You and your sons get out into the neighborhood. You get every empty vessel that you can find and bring it home to your house. When you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. A widow woman. She and her husband had served the kingdom. He was one of the sons of the prophets. For some reason, he passed away and probably like most fathers, maybe had a mortgage on some property, maybe had a mortgage on a house. He had 
He had some debt in his life as he was establishing himself in the earth and bringing forth a family. And all of a sudden, the provision was cut short and there was no livelihood. And here's this widow woman over her head in debt, not able to cover for her life. And the creditors were coming to take her sons away as slaves. Can you imagine the distraught, distraught days and nights in that home? A mother weeping. My sons are going to be slaves. I serve the Lord. Now what? It's all over. She cried unto the prophet. She knew the promises of God. She knew the help of God. She cried unto Elisha. She said, you know my servant, my husband served you, served the Lord. We walked before the Lord in integrity. Elisha said to her by the word of the Lord, what's in your house? She, she says, all I have is one last jar of oil. <laughs> he said, you and your sons, get out in the neighborhood and get every vessel you can find and get them home to your house. And she got them home to her house. They were probably in the courtyard, in the porch, in the entryway of the house. And he said, when you get all the vessels that you can and there's not one vessel left in your neighborhood, you've got them all, every empty vessel, then you go inside into your house and you shut the door. And you say, son, bring me the first jar. And mother and son stood there as she began to pour the oil of a little jar. And maybe she had a 20-liter flask, and the oil kept pouring and pouring and pouring. 20 liters of oil? They knew what that was worth. Here, let's carry it over to the edge of the wall by the window as far as we can. Get another empty vessel, and they began to pour oil, 30, 40 liters. Let's carry that over. Another vessel, 20 liters. Oh, here's a small jar, but it, hey, we got to use them all. 15, 5 liters of oil. Pouring oil, pouring oil, pouring oil. Until there was no vessel left, and the oil ceased. But that house was jam-packed with vessels full of oil. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I thought today I'm going to look up and see what an olive tree produces. I found out that an olive tree only produces three to four liters of oil a year. Extra virgin olive oil. One olive tree, three to four liters. But pure virgin olive oil is fairly expensive. If you go to buy a 500 ml bottle, if you want good stuff, it's going to cost you about $20 for 500 ml, half a liter, $40 a liter. A lot of olive yards had up to a thousand trees. So, at that price, one olive tree could yield about $150. If you had 1,000 olive trees, $150,000. Wow, that's not a bad wage, especially when you don't have taxation levels like they didn't have. I wonder how much oil was poured out in that home. I wonder how many vessels they had. Did they have 30? Did they have 40? Did they have 80? 
Did they have a hundred jars sitting there and just pouring oil? And how much oil did they get? Did they have a thousand liters, three thousand, four thousand liters? Whatever it was, it paid off all the debts. Can you imagine mother and sons in that home as that oil began to pour and they began to realize how God had taken their debt, their, the debt of their family, and had made it all up in one day? Can you imagine the tears of joy that poured down their faces? We're free. We're not going as slaves. We're not going to be servants to anybody. We're going to walk in the presence and the power of the living God in our day and our time. Elisha said, listen, take that oil. It's worth a lot of money. Go pay off your debt and live off the rest. Live off the rest. So are you just going to keep selling that oil till one day it's gone? But you're still living. You know what I think that widow woman did? I think she took that other tens of thousands of dollars, whatever it was, more than that probably, and she went and bought herself a little olive yard. And she said, I'm going to start getting olive oil every year, and we're going to grow this business, me and my sons, and we're going to have oil every year, and we're going to have an inheritance to pass down generation to generation, and we're going to let God prosper us, and yes, we're going to live off the rest because it's going to go down generation to generation in the blessing of God. I think we'll call our company Holy Ghost Oil. Oil and oil and more oil. Oil coming down generation to generation, provision and blessing because the goodness of the Lord has come. Let's have the worship team return. Psalm 119, 122. Be surety for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. There's a lot of oppression in this world financial oppression, economic oppression. Let not the proud oppress me, Lord, come. Be surety for your servant. You know, that widow woman and her sons, you know, in one, one day, they receive the equal to what the wealthiest olive yard owner could expect in entire, an entire season. They got it in one day from the presence of God. What a miracle. What a miracle. Let's ask God for oil. Let's bring vessels. Let's ask God to back us. If you're here tonight and this message is ministered to you and you see lack, cry out to the Lord. Be surety for me. God says, I will not have my people ashamed. I will work with them. It'll take some time. It might take a few years. It might take a few decades. But if you will walk with God... You will know the blessing of the Lord in the land of the living. Let's stand together tonight.